Okay. <clears throat> Psalms 36. <clears throat> this is a kind of a continuation of what Art taught last week in Psalms 35. And uh, if, you, if your Bible is open to Psalms 35, that's fine. Uh, let's look at beginning with verse 19 of Psalms 35, and we'll just read a little scripture here. Um, and if you remember, David, uh, you know, he said, these people have been uh, against me. He says, take care of them. That's Bill's paraphrase. But in 19, verse 19, he says, do not let those who wrongfully, excuse me, do not let those who are wrongful my enemies rejoice over me, nor let those who hate me uh, without cause wink maliciously, for they do not speak peace, but they devise deceitful words against those who are quiet in the land. They open their mouth wide against me. Verse 22, you have seen it, O Lord, do not keep silent. So when we pick up in Psalms 36 today, um, the commentator says that this was probably a young David, uh, a young David that, that, that wrote this. When we get to Psalms 37 in a few minutes, he's, he's an older David. And, and that, as you know, <laughs> that has something to do with where we are, you know. Um, I'm not the same guy I was when I was 30, believe it or not. <laughs> And I think you could probably say that too. You know, it's, you know, where we are in life, you know, it, 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 it matters. And so when David was young and then when David is old, uh, we get two different things from him. But in this particular case, it's kind of a t continuation of chapter 35. Now, you all know that these chapter headings, you know, were put in there uh, later on in life and not necessarily what what uh, what the writer at the time wanted to do but uh, <clears throat> whoever put the book of Psalms together put this here and we're going to start off with that <clears throat> and we'll read the first four verses and then I'll talk about it a little bit and we'll go from there <clears throat> transgression speaks to the ungodly within his heart for there is no fear of God before his eyes. For it flatters him in his own eyes concerning the discovery of his iniquity and the hatred of it. The words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. He plans wickedness upon his bed. He sets himself on a path that is not good. He does not despise evil verse 1 transgression transgression is what yeah from what I looked up in my old dictionary does anybody still use a dictionary it's a violation of the law transgression if um, if you're or looking at the ESV, it says oracle. And an oracle is an utterance for guidance from man. 
So transgression, transgression speaks to the ungodly within his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. Um, let me let me say this while I'm thinking about it. You, you've heard me say before that that I I don't have any original thoughts, but everything I do is stolen from somebody else. Um, and some of the websites I use, you've heard me talk about uh, GotQuestions.org. You've heard me talk about Blue Letter Bible, and Endearing Word is another one. And if you listen to me and then go look up Endearing Word, Psalms 36, you probably hear some of the same stuff. Just being honest, <laughs> okay. <clears throat> the foundation of the wicked, man's character and his deeds is a lack of fear. The wicked man lowers his estimation of God and raises his estimation of himself. He thinks much more of himself. You ever run into somebody like that? You know? There's no fear in his heart. There's no fear before his eyes. For it flatters him in his own eyes. Define flatter for me. Praising yourself. Yeah. And more times than not, when we use the word flatter, we're talking about somebody else. But in this particular case, David says, this guy flatters himself. He said, for it flatters him in his own eyes concerning the discovery of iniquity and of the hate of it. To praise un excessively, to promote one's own interest by praising. By <clears throat> the character of a wicked man is shown by his words. Jesus said something about that. What what did he say when they were talking about washing his hands and doing all the ceremonial laws when the Pharisees and what did Jesus said he says it's not what you eat that defiles you but what comes out of your mouth and that comes from your heart which is the seat of yourself I've told you before I had a little sign on my desk in Gaffney the last job I had there and it says knowledge is a lot like money if you keep your mouth shut, people think you have more than you do. <laughs> and it's amazing in this day and time where corporate America says some stuff that they needed to keep their mouth shut. It didn't, it didn't, didn't add anything to it, and all of a sudden, you know, words. And everybody is listening to everything, everywhere, so you can't say anything, you know. You can't say anything. Um, 
interested in or amused when Elijah, um, one of the kings, were were talking and Elijah was saying that this king, he says, and this guy was smart, he says, Elijah knows what's going on in your bedroom. Well, it's almost that bad now, you know. You keep your mouth shut. Your words, your words will go a long way. Verse 3, the words of his mouth are wicked and deceitful. Spurgeon says that wickedness and deceit, he says this is a pair of devil's dogs generally hunt together, and what one does not catch, the other will. Wickedness and deceit. Wickedness is to believe what is false. Fraud. Cheating. Cheating. Now, wickedness is what I have in the New American Standard. The ESV says trouble. The NIV says wicked. But you get the idea here. An evil person is not merely drifting in the evil. He's inventing ways to do it. And in contrast to the godly, he, according to this, verse 4, he plans it on his bed. He invents ways to do it. In contrast, the godly who spend wakeful hours a night meditating to God, he stays awake all night seeing what he can get into. Wicked. Wicked. And David is talking about these people and he's kind of laying it out. These people are, are, <clears throat> are just that. Another quote from Spurgeon Far from having a contempt or an abhorrence of evil, he even rejoices in it, patronizes it. He never hates wrong thing because it's wrong. He meditates on it and defends its practices. Somebody that's evil. Just absolutely evil. Hey, Bill, how yeah. much does that sound like Pastor's message last week? Yeah. I, yes. Yes. Wasn't it? A great service last week. Amen. Great service. Very convicting. Very convicting. Okay. Verse 5. Your loving kindness, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies, and your righteousness is like the mountain of God. Your judgments are like a deep, a great deep, O Lord. You preserve man and beast. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. And the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They drink their full, excuse me, fill of the abundance of your house. And you give them to drink of the river of your delights. For you, excuse me, for with you is the fountain of life. And your light will see light. David here is going back to 
things that we've looked at in the in scripture your loving kindness now we talked about loving kindness and we had uh, a lot to say about loving kindness in in scripture uh, the new american standard translates it loving kindness the esv translates it steadfast love your niv says love it's it could be unfacing or love continuing your loving kindness O lord extends to the heavens your righteousness is like the mountains of god your judgments are like the great deep O lord you preserve man and beast <clears throat> we we speak from things we know we we compare things to what we know and time has a way of changing all of that here in David's talk he's talking about the, the skies and the mountains and the great deep we wouldn't talk about that today like that when I was before everything turned around and I would go to a job site and we'd have a pre-bid meeting about a job I would take meticulous notes about where the plant was you know turn here to Exxon Station and go two miles to so-and-so and so on. And I would, when if we were successful in the job, I would give, I would write up the directions and give it to my guys and say, this is where you need to be there and be there Monday morning at seven o'clock or so forth and so on. Before I left work, the computer had come along and I'd say, I said, go to MapQuest and get it. You know, and here's the address, go to MapQuest, and they'll tell you how to get there. We don't even use MapQuest anymore. It says, do what your phone says, you know. <laughs> so here, here David is talking about in terms that, that way up here sometimes we don't really understand, but he's using what he knows. Maybe one day Art and I, we've talked about it, We'll go to Revelation, and we're talking about the imagery there. Well, when John was was shown the beautiful city and what he was shown in heaven, all John had to go by was what he knew to describe what God had shown him. That's why I don't think heaven's going to be anything like you thought about. <laughs> it's just going to be... It's going to be good, but I don't have a clue what it's going to be. So when David is talking about here is a parallel or a, a change from the wickedness of man, he's telling you how great God is, is. His loving kindness extends to the heaven. His faithfulness reaches to the skies. His righteousness is like the mountains of God. O oh Lord, you preserve man and beast. How precious is your loving kindness. And the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They drink their fill of abundance of your house, and you give them to the drink of the rivers of your delight. 
For with you is the fountain of life, and your light we see light. God supplies our needs. We, we wouldn't describe it like this, but God takes care of who we are and where we are and His abundance is just so good. I was talking to a fellow this week, you know, and Paul says we need to be content. I don't know if it's my age or where it is, but I'm very content. Belta fixes lunch and calls me. I eat it. <laughs> I go to my, my recliner and take a nap. I'm, I'm very content in what I do, you know, where I am. And I'm very grateful for the Lord's provision. Amen. Where he is, what he's allowed me to have, and that. So as a young man, David's saying, these people are evil, and Lord, I want you to take care of them. And yet, on the flip side, he says, Lord, I am so grateful for what you've allowed me to have. So grateful. Verse 10. Continue your loving kindness to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come upon me and let not the hand of the wicked drive me away. thinking back to last week's sermon pastor talked about haughtiness and pride that worked on me among other things the Lord's been so gracious to us and so good to us and loves us so much. As David wrote here, let not the foot of pride come upon me. Let not the hand of the wicked drive me away. We need to stand up to what we know is right. We don't let, let pride defeat us. Verse Chapter 36 rolls in to chapter 37. He starts off in chapter 37. He says, Do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward wrongdoers. Fret. What does fret mean? Boy, y'all know it. <laughs> Bill, before you get into 37, I just could I just make a comment? Sure. Last week's sermon, you know, when I hear those, I was sharing with Jim here too. In my experience over the years in different areas and different churches, it's hard to find a preacher like we have. It is. 
and willing to speak the truth in love, that's a gem. But you've got to remember, too, we need to pray throughout the week for him. Because you know before he writes and does his sermon, he's going to be attacked. Before he presents it, when he presents it, and afterwards. So I've had different pastors in the past, both in the military and outside, explain that they are under attack and persecution. When I a sermon like this, I've had sermons even right from the pulpit. I've had people in, in Lexington, Massachusetts, Gordon McDonald explained that, guys, I need your prayer. Um, I'm presenting something, you know, the, the elders, is, I really need your prayer tonight because I'm he's sending a message that the church needs to hear, and I need it myself. And he points his finger like this. He says, I got a thing pointing at you guys, but I got three at myself. And then I knew he was a good pastor. So, again, I think you have a real gem here. And Irene and I just love him dearly and uh, just love the messages. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. One thing Bud just said, just you know, that we, we uh, he loves us. Yes. You can hear, and you've, you've been there, you can hear a sermon preached in love. You can hear a sermon that's not preached in love. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a difference. Amen. There's a difference. Verse 1 of Psalms 37, don't fret. Do not get overheated. Don't get all worked up. <laughs> to fret is to worry and have heartburn. <laughs> don't fret because of the evildoer. And don't be envious towards those people because verse 2 says they will wither quickly like the grass and will fade like the green herb. We, when we talked about heaven when, whenever it was a few, few months ago, we said that part of our problem is that we're so anchored to this world. We're so anchored to what we know and what we have and what we enjoy. We're not anticipating heaven. And yet, like the illustration is, you know, we're not home yet. The end of the chapter has not been written. You know, don't worry about those people that are evil. He says... Scripture says they're going to wither. How long is heaven? It's a long time. When I was in college, this Bible teacher we had says that if a sparrow picked up a grain of sand from the Atlantic, waited a thousand years and took it to the Pacific, and deposited flew back picked up another grain of sand flew back to the Pacific after waiting a thousand years when he had taken all the sand from the Atlantic and deposited it in the Pacific eternity would be just beginning I don't know how, he, how long it is but it's a long time and if we get that in our head these short 80 years 
we get here, you know, we need to think eternity time instead of time that we're anchored here. But verse 3 says, don't fret because of evildoers, but verse 3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. When you read when you read the Old Testament and we come to the, all the kings and we've been through that and we talked about it in Isaiah, we talked about it in Jeremiah. I built you a chart that showed all these guys and we had good kings and bad kings. And when they were good kings, God's favor was on the people. God blessed them. They'd change a king. They'd go back to their bell worship and everything else. God shut his face. That principle is still true today. Still true today. So if we trust in the Lord and do good, if we dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, let's talk about that phrase a little bit. Delight yourself in the Lord. What, what, what do you think that means? To delight yourself. Enjoy him. Trust him. Trust him. Pardon? Consume. Consume. Consume him. Acknowledge his blessings. Acknowledge his blessings. Talk to him. Constantly. That's <laughs> that'll preach, Pat. He will give you the desires of your heart. This is a wonderful and even safe promise. The one who truly delights in the Lord will find his heart and his desires changed, steadily aligning with God's own good desires for his life. Thus we will see that finding delight in God is a key to a happy, satisfying life. Spurgeon said of Martin Luther, here comes a man that can have anything he likes because Luther delights in God. Most of all, it shows that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, He gives us delight. If He is delight, He gives us more of himself if we delight in him he gives us more of himself Pat kind of nailed it sometimes we don't delight in him because we don't talk to him and we don't listen to him 
We're not in the book. We're going about our own way. But he says, if you won't delight yourself in the Lord, when you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Now that goes together, right? You won't ask for something he doesn't, he doesn't delight in, right? You know, it's, it's you delight in the Lord and he'd give you the desires of your heart. I'm grateful and thankful for the news that God has told me in my life. That is an answered prayer. Even if you're praying for the wrong thing and God answers you that way, it's an answered prayer. That's faithfulness. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes He changes you want her. <laughs> the desires that you have. When you, when you ask rightly, when you seek rightly, He changes what you want. And yet it's a tremendous promise that when we des delight ourselves in God and ask Him what He wants us to do in each and every situation, He'll tell us. He'll lead us. And we keep reading right quick in verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust Him. And He'll do it. <laughs> Commit your way to the Lord and trust Him. And He'll do it. The trust has got to be in delighting in Him. And you delight in him by knowing him and having conversation with him and listening to him and desiring <coughs> desiring to know what he wants you to do. Like Pat says, sometimes he tells you no, and those are good things too, as she said. Verse 6. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as noonday. He won't, it won't be a vague situation. He'll tell you. If you listen, if you ask him, if you delight yourself in him, he'll say, this is it. Maybe not audibly, but he'll give you peace. We've gone We've gone through those four little things that we've talked about many times. You know, you want to do something? You know, number one. What is number one? Is it scriptural? Is there anything in this thing you want to do that's scriptural, that's unscriptural? If it is, you, you've got your answer now. Don't do it. Number two, what does spiritual enlightened common sense say about it? What does just common sense say about it? Have you talked to some counsel? What have they told you about it? Is it scriptural? What does common sense say? In enlightened spiritual common sense. Is the door open? Can you do this thing? Are you forcing something? Or can you do it? Can you walk through that door? 
Can you buy that piece of property? Can you make this investment? Do you marry that girl? Is the door open? And number four, do you have total and complete peace? Total and complete peace. If there's any shadow of a doubt, walk away. If you have total and complete peace, God's in it. He says here like noonday, and your judgment as noonday. Verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret. There's that word again. Do not worry. Because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. In this day and age, we don't have any patience, you know. I go to McDonald's and if I'm not the next car up, I get upset. <laughs> if I have to wait for my hamburger to come, you know. But anyway, it, it, patience. Well, I'm running out of time. So we'll pick up this next week and we'll go from there. And, uh, but read, read Psalms 37 as you go this week and and uh, meditate on it and ask the Lord to speak with you and talk to you we'll go from there any comments okay I appreciate you and I love you and I thank you and I look forward to seeing you every 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 week every week Father Lord we thank you for who you are and we thank you for loving us and being with us and we thank you for for um just providing for us in the way and father f forgive us for for worrying about the other fellow and worried about people who are doing wrong and father keep us safe in your hand and keep us away from pride and haughtiness and and just love us unto yourself we thank you for all you are bless pastor bobby and Everything that's said and done, sung, prayed, preached in the further service. And we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.